episode 164, Melissa Drake, founder of Uncorped Influence. And then after I lost my job, I got another tattoo that says um, everything happens for a reason. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes, because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is a place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. To learn more about Melissa, her company, her books, and more, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake164. As always, thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, if you love the episode, please share it with a colleague, share it on social media. And now, on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Graven, and our guest today is Melissa Drake. Uh, she's the author, among other things. She's the author of a number of books, the most recent The title is, uh, get this, The Orgasmic Entrepreneur, Discover the Sweet Spot of Love, Sex, and Business by Simply Being You. She has uh, previously written books. um, The other titles are Sacred Medicine Integration, A Companion Journal Supporting Ceremonial Medicine Experiences, and Transcend Dance, as in dancing. Transcend Dance, Lessons from Living, Loving, and Dancing. So before I tell you a little bit more about Melissa, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you, Mark. I'm really grateful to be here. I appreciate you having me. Well, sure. And yeah, there's uh, a lot to talk about. I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, about your book and, and your story and more, but a little bit more about Melissa Drake. She is also a TEDx speaker with 25 years climbing the corporate ranks and a decade of entrepreneurial experience. Her TEDx talk, The Dance of Collaboration, and I'll link to that in the show notes. You can find it um, online. It presents fresh insights on the benefits of collectively beneficial collaborations. So I hope today's podcast is a collectively beneficial collaboration uh, for for you, Melissa, and and, and for the audience. I think this will be really nice. Excellent. Yeah, I I agree. It already is. So thank you. And Melissa is uh, the founder of Uncorped Influence. Melissa helps like-minded businesses and individuals find creative solutions and to go further than they thought possible. So quick question, uncorped means getting out of corporate life? Exactly, yeah. So essentially taking the same skills that I used in the corporate environment on a freelance basis. Yeah, so maybe we can uh, we can talk about that later as well. So um, as we always do here, Melissa, um, from the, the different phases of your career, the different things you've done, looking back, what would you say is your favorite mistake? Well, there are so many. <laughs> I've had <laughs> yeah. many, uh, many mistakes and lessons along the way. But as I looked at the different mistakes, um, and I use that term loosely because a mistake is, um, you know, part of the process, right? There was one thread that really underlined all of the the larger mistakes or lessons that I've learned in my life, and that thread is the mistake of not taking care of who I am as a person and not doing and pursuing the things that bring me joy. The minute I lose track of who I am and what I'm here to do and stop taking care of those everyday simple activities like walking and meditating and drinking water, um, 
the easier it is for me to fall back into the old patterns. And a lot of my old patterns aren't all that positive. They're addictive and, you know, based on trauma responses, survival responses. Um, and I think one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite mistakes is because it's the most fun to fix. The most fun to fix. Yes, because the fix of this mistake is taking care of me. It's having fun. It's going out and doing things that are joyful and connecting with people who are doing those same things. Um, what I've found and what's become really abundantly clear to me lately is that the, the happier I am, the more opportunity I have. And it's also a, a really challenging mistake because society tells us when things aren't going well to just double down and, you know, work harder and hustle and grind. And um, that's not necessarily the answer for me. Um, the answer is often the opposite, which is rest and take care of myself and connect with people who are good for my soul. And so it's a, it's a, it's a battle. It's an internal battle because it's so counterintuitive to what we were taught, particularly in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is the thing that has given me the best results. So your, 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 your mistake, your, it sounds like it's a pattern mm -hmm. um, of not taking care of who you are as a person. So it's a fairly complex, you know, um, pattern of, of, of things that were happening or not happening. How, how did you start to discover? Was there a particular moment? Was it gradual where your eyes kind of got open to this? Uh, yes. And uh, as most lessons from the universe are, it was a very painful one. Um, and that was, <clears throat> I wrote about it a lot in my first book, Transcendence, but I kind of, I got awakened from some really unfortunate events. Like uh, I lost both of my parents in the same year. And um, a few years later, I got very sick with two chronic illnesses. My son went away to college. So I was an empty nest mom. I was very sick. And then I lost my corporate job. So it was like all of the, all of the negative, I like to call them life's tough transitions. They all kind of happened at once. And I had no choice, but to be like, okay, I need to do something different here. And um, that's, that was in 2013 to 2015. That's when I really kind of woke up and just really started doing things differently in my life. And then the other, um, the other big awakening came from me uh, after I moved to California. So I moved from the Midwest to California to follow my dreams and at the time that I moved, I was really happy. I was really like uh, just taking care of myself and excited. And I got to California and I started focusing on making a living instead of actually living. So I did that traditional double down work all the time. I never got out. I love to dance. I didn't dance for a long time. And I just ultimately fell into that old pattern of, um, you know, just trying to make things work and, and not getting anywhere. And ultimately, you know, sometimes you have to take a step back to move forward. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, I'm going to use a phrase and I don't mean it to be critical, but I've heard other people sort of talk about going through life on autopilot. Were, were, were you oh, in yeah. that mode? 
Tell us more. Um, Very much so. And I I think that's where the pattern begins for me or where the, where the goodness ends is when I go from actively creating my own reality and being excited about it to being stressed out by it and running on autopilot. Um, And that's a, you know, that's a perfect description of how to be miserable. Hmm. And And, and, I spent a lot of time there for sure. Yeah. And you talk about the idea of making a living um, mm-hmm. or, or you know, making a life, living a life. Um, I imagine um, you, know, you, you sort of rationalize things or make excuses. Or I, I hate this phrase. You know, people say they call it work for a reason. And you yes. say, well, I, 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 I have all these reasons to stay with it. I have reasons to leave. I can't. Or to, I'm, I'm curious to hear more, you know, more about your thought process or at least your reflections on the thought process before you made changes? Well, unfortunately, sometimes we don't make changes until we absolutely have to. So when I lost my corporate job, I was like, okay, I got to do something different here. Um, And it gave me the opportunity to really consider what I wanted to do. Like the easy thing would have been to get another corporate job doing the same thing. And, um, I knew that in my heart, like my literal heart, that was not good for me. Um, And so I really had to do things differently. And that meant learning new skills and trying new things and and building on what I already knew and already had accomplished in the corporate world, but repositioning it for a different lifestyle and repositioning those skills to do things totally different. And just making those deliberate choices. So instead of being on autopilot, making and, you know, going to the office every day, um, making a deliberate choice to do something radically different. And in my case, that radically different was changing my entire locale and moving across the country. So I'm, I'm curious how how you found your fix or your fixes, how much of it was looking within and trying to figure out what you really wanted or needed versus trying to get advice or coaching from others? That's a really good question. I think initially I relied far too heavily on other coaches. I invested thousands, thousands, thousands of dollars in coaching and programs and certifications and all of, all of the things. Um, And recently had a coach tell me all of the, all of the money you spent on coaches, you should have just paid yourself because you already have all this. Um, And so I I searched far too wide to get input and often validation from other people instead of relying on my own instincts. And that's still a challenge for me. I definitely don't think we can do this alone and we absolutely need support along the way. But I know that I relied far too heavily on other people initially. And now I'm kind of like, oh, okay, um, what do I think? And, you know, really relying on myself before I I still use the support of coaches and other people, um, but not to the extent of bypassing my own journey. Sure. And, you know, one one other question, I guess, you know, about going through this process. And that's a phrase you use in your latest book. Yes, it is a process. (laughs) And I want to talk more about that as as you've gone through this this process and these changes. How how do you make sure you don't fall back 
into those old habits? Is it, is it as easy as not taking another corporate job or is there more to it? No, there's a lot more to it. And to say that I haven't fallen back in those patterns would be a misnomer because I have. Um, and I, I also believe that's part of the process. We think growth is just the steady climb and it's not. It's, you know, you've seen the meme where, you know, we think it goes like this, but it's really just these spirals and this crazy journey all around. Um, and so that was a huge learning process for me is to understand that even though I think I've learned something and I, I, I have learned a lot in my lifetime, um, there are always more layers and we can continue to learn the same thing over and over again at a deeper, deeper level. So to think, you know, we've learned it and we've made it. I don't think that's the truth. I used to think that was the truth. Um, and that's, that's a big part of the mistake that I made is, well, I think I've made it. So now I can back off on all of these things that got me there in terms of how to stay there. For me, it's community and accountability. Um, first self-responsibility, like just the awareness of, Hey, I'm responsible for this life. No one else is going to save me. No one else is going to create this. No one else is going to, um, create a path for me. And I get to create that on my own. That's the, the first realization. And then the second is who am I going to get to come alongside me to help me create the life that I want? And the, the people you surround, you know, you've heard the, the five things, five people you spend the most time with reflect your environment. And um, that's very, very true. So part of that was the move and just surrounding myself with a completely different um, culture and experience. And that was like an immediate up level and just, just doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, your reflections and, and your thoughts. There's a lot of wisdom there. Um, like you said, we learn as as we go. So <laughs> we think we we think we know it all, and then we're like, oh no, I don't. I didn't really know that to the level yeah. that I thought it did, or the level that I need to. And then ultimately, you get to this place where you're like, oh, I don't know anything. You know, like there's just yeah. so much to learn. Life has a way of reminding us when we, <laughs> we if we <laughs> right if we we think we have it all figured out you know no you get reminded know. like you said yes yes yeah. definitely yeah so um, the most recent book the title um, you know I talk about the title then there's a lot to dig into within um, the book and and again that title and it's 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 eye catching um, it might not be a hard copy you want to carry around the office. <laughs> Right. I mean, right. you know, you, if you're reading it on a Kindle, I guess that's an advantage. You know, iPad app, nobody knows what you're reading, but the title is a coffee table book for you. <laughs> well, <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe let's talk about whether uh, it should be or we shouldn't be afraid <laughs> to do that. But again, the title is The Orgasmic Entrepreneur discover the sweet spot of love, sex, and business by simply being you. So, you know, there are some topics that, you know, um, you know, to, to some might be taboo. I'm trying not to blush or giggle like a teenage boy here or anything, but, you know, in all seriousness, did, did you have any fear that the the title of the book was somehow, it might be a mistake or how, how did, how did you evaluate different options for the title? Or did you say at some point say, no, this is it. It's not, maybe it's not for everybody, but this is my book. Uh, all of those things. Um, but the best answer for that is that I actually, um, so the premise of the book and why I decided to write it in the first place 
was I was listening to a podcast where this <clears throat> chief technology officer was talking about data and how important data is. And just the way he talked about data was so endearing to me. And I just all of a sudden had this thought that data geeks make the best lovers because <laughs> they're always looking for the sweet spot. And even when they find the sweet spot, they don't stop. Like they're always looking to improve it. And growing up in direct mail, I know how um, how detailed data geeks can get and just making simple improvements. And so <clears throat> I had a lot of different titles for the book. The original title was Dance with the Entrepreneur because I wanted to go with my, you know, kind of match the branding with the TEDx talk and the first book. Um, but we actually tested multiple mm. titles mm -hmm. and this is the one that won. And so based on that theory, I can't claim data to be super valuable and then not follow the data. And I knew, I knew that it would be a turnoff. Like I knew that there would be people that are uncomfortable with it, but a large part of the book is about being who you are, even when it's weird, even when it's strange, even when it's taboo to other people. I know it's a turnoff to some people, but there are other people that are like, Oh, that's my, you know, like that's <laughs> exciting to me. And those are my people. Yeah. So, um, I knew it was a risk. Um, and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And who, you know, who's, who's the target audience for the book? It's written, it's written by a woman Do people think, well, okay, well, here's a book for other women or, you know, I've, I've read big chunks of it. Um, so it's not, I mean, I guess I'm answering my own question from my own experience. I would say it's not just a book for women. Is, is there, is Absolutely there that perception not. ever, you know, or, or questions about that? Well, I think what's interesting and that the title is a misnomer because there's very little talk of orgasms in the book. <clears throat> and, and, and you know that from having read it. Um, so it's, and this is probably part of, probably it is part of who I am. We judge people based on the cover and we don't, uh, take the time to really like dig in. And so it even like creates an extra hurdle for me because I know that people will judge the, the cover, but also the people who either don't judge it or um, judge it, but still look at it. Those are the people that I really want to connect with. Those are the people who I, I want to really get the message. And if, if they're judgmental about it, that's okay. You know, yeah. that's, that's fine. Maybe. They're just not my people. Yeah. I was about to say that's their mistake. Or like I said, maybe it's mm -hmm. just, they're not your people, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, your book shows that as adults, um, we can, in, in your case, you, you write about, you know, you're using words, orgasmic and love and sex. And that doesn't mean anything, uh, raunchy. No, not at I, all. I, I, not that, oh, Thank go you. ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, like I said, there's very little talk of orgasms or there is, there is some talk of it, um, obviously, but again, it's not raunchy. It's natural. It's normal. Like these are, these are topics that were shamed that are some of the most beautiful gifts we have in the world. And I want people to be able to take advantage of that and to be able to have a conversation, like conversation and communication, the written word words in general, that's how we, how we connect. And why would we shame or walk away from something that's so beautiful? 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's a part of with extreme outlier. I mean, it's part of everybody. It's part of life. It's part of yes. everybody's lived experience. And in, in the book, you talk about um, sexuality as you know, a taboo topic. Um, there, there are other taboos. You know, uh, what, what, what are, are there other taboos that require more discussion? Yeah, like I think the whole <clears throat> the whole growth journey that we talked about, the fact that it's a process, the fact that when we don't go where we think we're going to go, um, is is sometimes shameful and and hurtful. But it's again, it's just part of the process. It's part of life, and just understanding that we're all human on this journey, and none of us are perfect, and none of us have it figured out. I think one of the bigger lessons for me in the book was the chapter on giving without strings and really like digging into that, what it looks like to be a collaborative partner and be a partner in a way that isn't, doesn't have expectations or underlying motives. And um, I realized, and this is one of the things why I love writing so much is that I realized through the process of writing that I had been doing it wrong that I was being unknowingly manipulative in what I had done. And so uncovering those lessons for myself, and I think that's one of the biggest advantages of writing a book, is the healing that takes place along the way. Like you go to some, and and it's hard, don't get me wrong, like these depths that you go to, you've written books, like how was that experience for you in in writing? I mean, I think there there was never a fear of really touching on anything really taboo but there's there's that fear of your book being rejected you know I, mm-hmm. I think that often leads an author to be afraid to go ahead and put something out there and get feedback from people who aren't your friends and family who are probably likely to yes. say something nice you know? yes um yeah there's 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 a hesitation in general so i i could see a hesitation to to put out a book that talks about particularly personal stories which my, my books mm-hmm. are are not um mm-hmm in that category. So I, I, I can only appreciate how much more difficult it is, maybe not just to process it and write it, but then again, to put it's out there with you, with your name on it. This is not oh, a pseudonym. Yeah, very vulnerable. Yeah, it is incredibly vulnerable. And when I work with authors, they, they often say like, I, I don't think they're afraid to tell the truth. They just are afraid to like share the dark stuff because they've been so shamed um, or taught that, their experience is taboo or unusual. But then as soon as you put it out there, you have all these people that are like, oh, me too. Like that was, I've had so many people say that was my story or that was my experience. And when we're afraid to share the experience, we lose out on the connection of the other people saying me too. And the other people then suddenly have this understanding and this acceptance of themselves that they wouldn't have. And we're able to connect on a very intimate level that we wouldn't have if we hadn't been that vulnerable. And that's a, that's a whole nother chapter in the book about vulnerability and authenticity. I think we get so used to like showing up in a way that we're expected or um, like in the corporate world was very different, you know, just even in, in how I looked, um, there were different standards around that um, in the corporate world versus entrepreneurship. Yeah. Just truly being able to be who you are is is a gift. Yeah. 
Well, and so, for example, and you, you write about this, um, a taboo for some is tattoos Yeah, in a corporate setting. Tell, tell us, yes. your, well, in, in those watching on YouTube can see oh, yeah. Sorry. A, couple, a couple tattoos. And I mean, but, but what, what was the reaction or the, 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 the feared reaction in the corporate setting as a way of you expressing you? Uh, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't welcomed. I'll tell you that. Um, and my job elimination came immediately after I got my second tattoo and I had been working with a consultant and he was, um, much, much older than I was and, and very much from a different time. And he's like, don't ever get a tattoo because, you know, you meet with clients and yada, yada, yada. And, and I, I didn't for a long time. And then I, I got a, a very purposeful tattoo of uh, my son and I got matching tattoos. And then after my mother died, I got a, um, a tattoo commemorating her. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was always very, un- very uncomfortable with it. And then after I lost my job, I got another tattoo that says um, everything happens for a reason. Mm. <laughs> and I turned a yeah. few heads in the office <laughs> after that. Um, Cause I, after I lost my job, I had to continue to work for a couple of weeks to transition all of sure. my responsibilities. And it wasn't done out of spite, but it was mm-hmm. uh, very much like a statement and, and a, mm-hmm. a core belief that I have. Yeah. So a, a bold statement you make in the book, and it seems like it's become a core belief. Um, you, you talk about finding the link between achieving sexual satisfaction and attaining strong business results. And so the engineer statistician in me has to ask, um, is this correlation or causation? <laughs> when you say that, when you say there's a link, that's the next question, right? Correlation or causation? There is a link. <clears throat> um, and it is... So, I mean, when you talk about the, the system and the sacral chakra is related to creativity and sexual activity. And, um, you know, I just find personally when I'm having regular sexual activity in one way or another, I'm much more creative. And the more creative that I am, particularly as an entrepreneur, the more successful I am. And um, it's just that. that whole sharing of the energy and, you know, just, it, it's an expression, right? Like uh, sexual activity is an expression of who we are. And when we limit that expression, we limit the expression overall. And it, again, it's one of those, those challenging things that we deal with. And I'm a single person. So like, it just impacts me even greater um, not having that, that kind of exchange, but I'm also not about having the exchange for the sake of having the exchange. Sure. That might not have the same link to business results. No, in fact, right. it's detrimental mm-hmm. from, from what I've experienced. And in, 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 in what way do you think? Is that? Um, because it's, it's for me personally, it's more draining than it is life giving. And, you know, it's, we want the life giving juice literal that juice that's going to bring about the the creativity and the the flow that we want and for that particular chapter because that's not my experience right now that's another thing that's unique about this book is that I invited other contributors 
<clears throat> to write chapters of the book that I personally can't say I've mastered. And that's, that's one of them. Um, so I had a relationship coach who was also uh, a sexual coach of mine a few years ago, write that chapter. And she's a brilliant writer and um, she knows her stuff. So that was a, a really beautiful contribution to the book. Yeah. So one other thing I, I wanted to ask a couple, you know, there are two chapters we dig into a little bit here um, from the book, again, The Orgasmic Entrepreneur. Um, in that chapter, it's a process. And, and, and I want to talk about this in a non-explicit way, because I think we can avoid the explicit tag for the episode, which might help sure. more people, um, maybe, yes. you know, not avoid it. So judge the cover. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, So there's a, a point in the book where I'm going to censor a little bit. I, this is a word that I would normally, you know, be okay with in everyday life. Your 25-year-old son told you, Life is a series of F-ups and restarts. Mm -hmm. The key is to F-up a bunch. Then you realize how not to F-up, and that's how you progress. So it, where, where do you think, so as a 25-year-old, where, where do you think he got that insight to be able to share that with you? I don't know. This kid has been sharing gems like that since he was two years old. Like, he is <laughs> yeah. literally my greatest teacher in the world. Um and, you know, he, he's got some life experience under his belt and some taboo experience under his belt. And um, he's never, ever been afraid of expressing who he is. And as part of that expressing who he is, particularly outsiders view that as an F up, right? Mm -hmm. um, when it doesn't conform to what's expected, then suddenly his behavior or who he is, 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 is the F up. So like he has, he has a lot of experience for a now 26 year old gentleman. And, um, he is absolutely my greatest teacher and my biggest advisor. And I think that's one thing that we as parents can do is to really listen to our children because I grew up in the era of children should be seen and not heard. and my son taught me that he would always be heard and I didn't always want to hear what he had to say. But when I really like allowed him to say it, I always learned always. And it and, sounds like he's learned from you and he may, oh yeah. he may, he may very well avoid what you were framing as your favorite mistake as he yes makes his path through his own. He doesn't have he he doesn't have a problem with that my favorite mistake because he has always 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 put himself first. And I admire that about him greatly. Like I really really admire that about him that he put himself first and again he's my he's my greatest teacher in that respect because I see how valuable it is for him. Um and he just he just kind of came out of the womb doing that. And um I just I have, um, like I said, I haven't always liked it, but I've always supported it. Sure. There's another um, couple sentences in that chapter that, that resonated with me. And I think the themes of the podcast here. So I'm just going to quote it and maybe ask you to elaborate on it. Um, sure. The thing about innovation, entrepreneurship, and love, they're all nonlinear processes. They're experimental and improvements are incremental. That's, that's speaking my language. Yes. Yes. Well, and 
and recently I've, I've been in some circles where we talk about our lives as an experiment. So, you know, trying to get healthy, like what are the inputs to make the right output? So make the right results and just looking at it as an experiment and not a, this is the only way it has to be. We try something. If it doesn't work, we try something else, just like his original quote is, right? Um, we try something, it feels like an F up. So we just start over. And every single time, again, back to the data and direct mail, we're learning lessons and then we're applying it and tweaking it and changing it. And, and you can literally get downright scientific in how to create new results. But we're so used to creating those results in a business aspect. We don't think about doing it for our, ourselves. So how do we apply that same business knowledge? And that's really the essence of the book. The things that we learned in business, they don't apply just for business. They apply in dating. They apply in sex. They apply in parenting and vice versa. A lot of people think that what they learn in the, in the business applies to life, but not as many people know or understand that what they learn in life, the fun parts of life, like dating and, and sex and relationships and parenting can apply to business as well. And that's one of the, I think for me, one of the most challenging things is that, you know, when you think about love, for example, one of my clients has this amazing quote that love is the greatest competitive advantage. Whereas in the corporate world, love is like, you know, like, it's a, you not know. to be talked of, uh, about. Exactly. Well, exactly. Well, and, and so a little bit of, of, of my journey through, through my career and through life was going from uh, manufacturing into mm-hmm. healthcare. Mm-hmm. And in healthcare, people will use the word love mm-hmm. and talk about that as um, of, of, of value and um, something that, 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 that's not only okay to talk about at work, how that's an important part of a caring, healing healthcare organization, love for the patients, love for the employees and not in a paternalistic way and certainly not right. in an appropriate way, but in a, exactly. a loving, right. caring. Yeah. I love who you are as a person. I love your growth. I love where you're going. I love supporting you in your journey is completely different than a lust kind of love or something along those lines. It's, it's very supportive. Well, and when we say a lust kind of a lust kind of love, that's really that's just lust. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) I mean, there are. That's why they have sexual harassment seminars. Yes, yeah, and 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 that's why there's yeah, there's two different words. Um, There's two different words there, (laughs) but um, so in uh, yeah, so it's it's a process, and there are experiments and learning. And one other thing you said in the book is you know that we need to have this willingness to experience hurt. And sometimes people would call it failure. Sometimes we talk about mistake. Uh, At at the very beginning of the episode, you you sort of said, "Well, I don't." I'm paraphrasing, but I got the sense that you know you said, "I don't like to think of things as mistakes," and that's fine. And that's fine. But can is there is it is there a way? When you talk about you know needing to be more willing to experience that hurt, are, are there ways that we can uh, get better at that or become less afraid of the hurt or the failure? I, I think that's how we develop resilience, right? And and the way to do it is to keep showing up, even when it's messy, even when you don't feel like it, even when it's ugly. 
just continue to show up and and do the work. And remember that doing the work looks different for every person. Doing the work, as I said earlier, isn't necessarily doubling down and, and working 80 hours a week. Sometimes doing the work is taking the afternoon to go on a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just right. just continue, like for me, the, the biggest thing to get past lessons or, or mistakes is to simply not give up and not quit. And also, sometimes it's okay to quit. Sometimes, you know, if, if you're in this toxic relationship, then yeah, it's best to quit that. Don't just keep showing up and enduring, but like really revisiting who you are as a person and, and what resonates with you, quitting the things that don't resonate and going after in full force the ones that do. Yeah. So then, you know, there's another chapter in the book um, titled Sex and Creativity. And um, Stacy Herrera, um, and remind me, was 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 she the author of the chapter, or did she just contribute a large piece she to it? She wrote. She well, I wrote the first the first part of the chapter, which basically talks about what I already shared, how I met her, what she does, um, and then the rest of it was all about her. Yeah. So t- tell tell us a little bit about Stacy and and how you got her involved in the book. So Stacy was one of my. Um, oh. She was one of my one of my coaches, um, specifically a sex coach. And I had a a period of life where I had been single for decades, and I was in a relationship for the first time, and just really exploring my sexuality. It was after I lost my job, and um, just really learning about who I am as a person, and and finding that spark and that connection. And she was the one to guide me through that, and. One of the things that she introduced me to for the first time was the masculine feminine polarity dynamics. And um, that was really eye-opening for me. The other thing that she really introduced me to was the art of presence and knowing that no matter what the past was or you know how how bad the past may have been or how anxious we may about may be about the future, when we are present, we're always okay. Like in this moment, no matter what's going on, we're okay. And so just being able to drop into that. And then when you add the, the juiciness of relationship and, and sexuality, it just kind of expands that. So she was, she was one of my greatest uh, teachers and she has remained a good friend and someone that I love very much. And um, when I asked her about contributing to the book and, and what it means to be a well, um, I can't, I can't say the word out loud, but <laughs> a well effed entrepreneur. Okay. She was like, yeah, you had me. Okay. I'm in, you know, <laughs> like there was no question right. whatsoever. She's like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. And it's not that you can't say the word, but in the here, you're trying gotcha. you, thank you. Okay. Yes. We, we, we both, yes. no, I understand. We, don't, we, we don't have to bleep ourselves <laughs> 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 or I don't need to go back in and put in a bleep sound effect. It's easier just to say. Yes, uh, but but um, yeah. so in state, you know, so it sounds like you learned, and Stacy writes about you learned from her um, again connections between, as she puts it, the connection between profitable businesses and great sex in in whatever yes. in whatever order. And it's really not even about great sex; it's about intimacy, which is completely mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where she really um, pulled out some some greatness is talking about the difference between. Uh, sex and intimacy and she also 
you know, I mentioned earlier about the whole giving without strings. Um, that was reading her work was one of the things that helped me realize how I had been giving inappropriately, thinking I'm being virtuous in my giving. And then after I read what she wrote, I was like, oh yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that right at all. So it's just continual light bulb moments for me, uh, reading her work. And even my editor was like, this, this chick is brilliant. Like, and I'm like, I know that's why I invited her. All the contributors in the book are, are really brilliant. One of my, um, my partner, uh, in a business endeavor, Jesse Panama contributed a couple chapters. I had one of my healers contribute a chapter on attraction versus promotion. And then I also had a couple, so this was interesting, um, you know, the whole sex and relationships. I had a couple who, um, they're married and they do business together. So what does that actually look like to be in partnership doing this work together? So they contributed a chapter as well. That's, that's great. And um, you, people can learn more about, um, I'm going to share Melissa's uh, website, but um, Stacy's website here, I've got your book pulled back up. Um, she has a, she's creator of the Sensuality Project. So her website is thesensualityproject.com. It says here, lifestyle movement for 40 plus singles and couples who want to improve their sex lives and have mature, intimate relationships. And um, you know, again, thank you for pointing out the difference in the terms here where I talked about, you know, love versus love, love and lust is two different words, different things, sex and intimacy, you know, and these things, sometimes these go hand in hand. Sometimes um, right. they're different. Yeah. Um, so Melissa's website is uncorpedinfluence.com. Um, I'll, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Um, and tell us about your, your company and, and, and who you serve, what, what kind of work that you do under that umbrella. Absolutely. Thank you. So I, my primary um, positioning is working with authors. Like I love to help people tell stories. And that kind of started as an editing gig. I worked for a coaching company and edited all of their blog posts for their coaches. I really enjoyed working with um, spiritual entrepreneurs and people who really want to experience growth through the writing of their book. And so I help people, again, I started as editing, but I'm really more of a publishing partner that will take Mm -hmm. them from inception to publishing, promotion, PR, and all of that good stuff. I also do speaking and um, corporate training events and um, writing. I love, I love writing. I have a background in um, business analysis so I just kind of have a, a lot of different skills, to be honest with you, and um, just like to help people. One of my clients said to me, uh, she said, I love talking to you because even though there are problems, we only talk about solutions. And so that's that's really my thing. I like making, um, organizing chaos and creating systems to manage that. There's a lot involved in not just writing a book, but like you said, bringing it to market and, and doing that well. So thank you for working with authors on that. And I bet the the lessons, the things you've talked about today, the things you've written about are incorporated in that work, um, helping authors fail in the first draft and then make things yes. better, right? Yes. Testing, <laughs> test, testing ideas, um, treating, I mean, writing a book and publishing a book is certainly a process. So I can, I can see... Yes. 
the dots to connect between what we've talked about today and that work that you do? Oh, thank you. One of the things that I've just really recently figured out is I think my real value is the the emotional support that I provide authors along the way. As someone who has been there, done that, written really, really vulnerable work, uh, because there's so much anxiety that comes up when you're when you're sharing a work like this. So I really enjoy connecting with them on that level and um, using the tools that I learned to help me get out of that that kind of spin cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Part of, um, part of figuring out how to do it is how to get through it. Yes. I think you help. Sounds like you help with both of those. I do. Yes. Those elements there. I might have Um, to quote you on that. Hey, no, if that phrase, I I just came up with that, that phrase popped into my head and inspired, inspired by what you're talking about. So if that's helpful, take that phrase. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Our guest today has been uh, Melissa Drake. Um, Again, her company is Uncorped Influence. Um, You can go online, uncorpedinfluence.com. There'll be links in the show notes to um, her social media. I'm glad that you're uncorped, Melissa. I'm glad that you joined us. Thank you. I'm I'm glad that you joined us today because, you know, you're getting uncorped. I got uncorped um, more than a decade ago. Excellent. uh, Or actually, well, yeah, I mean, I got out of, yeah, I got more than a decade ago. Um, But anyway, um, Back to, to you and your book, um, you, you got me sidetracked reflecting on uh, that's that's an interesting word, uncorked. It's like uh, yes. unlocked, unleashed. Yes. Uncorked. So un- yes. uncorpedinfluence.com. And again, uh, the title of Melissa's book, the, her most recent book, The Orgasmic Entrepreneur Discovered the Sweet Spot of Love, Sex, and Business by Simply Being You. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being here, Melissa. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a great day. Well, again, thanks so much to Melissa Drake for being our guest. Again, to learn more about her, look for links in the show notes uh, in your podcast app, or you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake164. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.